0: Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I hope everyone is staying safe and well in this isolation period. This is episode 74. This episode is with the Head of Strength and Conditioning at Toronto FC, Tom Williams. Tom came on to talk about um, everything based around the coronavirus. So the current situation of the players, the club, um, the, the um, stage of the season they're at over there. He also spoke about... The approach that they've taken in regards to sending obviously, players staying at home, um, but also getting their training in. So the approach they've taken with that. And then some key considerations and strategies that they're going to take when they get the green light to um, start the season or they know when the season is going to start. And the strategy that's going to take place in terms of reconditioning players He also referred to, and this is the title of the episode, the layered approach that he uses, and he'll break that down a little bit more in the episode. So big thanks to Tom for coming on. Um, We cover some great information in this one, very current topic, so I hope you take plenty from it. Please reach out, let us know what you think of it, give it a share um, on Twitter, Instagram, tag us in it, at FootballFitFed. If you've got any feedback that you want to send over on email, it's mail at footballfitfed.com. But... Big thank you again for listening and tuning into the episodes and the podcast. And here's the episode with Tom. Welcome to episode seventy-four of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined by Tom Williams, who is the head of S and C at Toronto FC. Tom, how's things?
1: Good, thank you. Uh, did with a difficult situation, but uh, good in the circumstances.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a crazy time at the moment, mate, isn't it? And we're going to obviously dive into that today. But what I wanted to kick off with, I've just mentioned your role, obviously, over the pond at the moment, but not always been over there. So let's, do you want to take us through your career so far, where you've been, uh, the roles you've had, the clubs you've been at so far?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, think, I think I've fallen to the same boat as many people um, in my in my position, or in the sports science industry, that you know, kind of a failed, failed footballer uh, turned into what it was uh, called as the fitness coach uh, back in the day, and now obviously titles and things have changed there. But um, didn't make it as a football player. I ended up going to Loughborough University to do my undergrad uh, sport and exercise science. Uh, during my time there, I thought my path was going to be on the coaching side, on the, as, a, as a as a technical coach. Um, so I ended up taking positions with academy teams around the East Midlands of Derby County, uh, Nottingham Forest, coaching some of their junior academy teams, as well as helping out with the goalkeepers. So a, a, pretty, a pretty broad um, introduction into where I potentially saw myself going. Um, and that was all during my time at the uh, university. Uh, from then, I moved into a part-time role with Mansfield Town, uh when they were in the conference uh, as the fitness coach. Um and the fitness coach then was the person who would um kind of do everything right. I was the, the comb picker upper, I was the assistant coach, I was a performance analyst, I was helping the kit man. Um and it was definitely a, a baptism of fire for me going from an academy perspective dealing with, you know, pretty, pretty talented young players um and having really nice facilities to going into a conference team full of first-team players who have who have been at, at, at that level or been at a higher level, um, and then me thinking I knew exactly what to do um, with them, which definitely wasn't the case. So thrown in the deep end there at Mansfield Town, and the, the head coach was David Holdsworth, Um and, and my my first day, he said to me, he goes, right, so pre-season, over to you. I was like, oh, okay, uh Perfect. Let's go. So it was, it was definitely guided discovery on, on my part there, trying to, trying to deal with that situation. Uh, but it was, it was, it was a huge learning curve for me in my career and definitely put me on the path to being, to wanting to be in the, in the sports science performance industry. Uh, from there, I moved into, um, a rehabilitation role with Sheffield United. They were in the championship at the time, worked under Dean Riddle there, who's now a, a CLC Hawks. So I spent four years at Chef United working with the first team, uh, specifically on the rehab side, uh, before moving down to Leicester City to oversee the, um, strength and conditioning with the academy players, nines all the way through to 23s under Kevin Paxton, uh, before I had the call to come out and, uh, work with Toronto FC and the MLS, um, as head of strength and conditioning there. Uh, so a few different ups and downs potential career paths uh, changing but I think it all kind of comes together and gives me a, a little bit of a uh, a good idea as to the collective development across across football
0: We've had a little chat off air just before we started recording about the sort of current situation so we're, we're recording with what the sort of 3rd of April at the moment um, obviously coronavirus is, is spreading worldwide we've got um, certain areas of the world in isolation um, certain areas in the world that are gradually recovering from being hit with the virus other areas that are, that are being hit like it's a fresh thing in certain areas so just take us through Tom the current situation at the club or, or even in the country to be fair um, and how that's affecting what, what your role is and what you're doing
1: Yeah sure I think I think there's so many people in the same boat here and i've heard a lot of talk about it um but from a perspective of working in the mls right we we span um two countries right we work with the us and canada and within that there are obviously different provincial state rules that that are coming into play uh with certain areas becoming hotspots for the virus when other areas aren't aren't really affected at all so it makes it makes planning pretty difficult um, as we have to follow governmental rules and how that fits in with uh, us training the players. So for those who don't know, with, with the MLS, we, uh, we work from March through November. That's our general season. We have the, uh, the winter months off. Um, so we were, we were two games into the league. So we finished the preseason period, uh, then moved into playing two regular season games, and then we got hit with uh, a league suspension which is is pretty difficult to take um given all the work we've we've put in over a pre season period uh, to get to that point uh so it makes it it makes it difficult then knowing that we have a whole season that we need to get going in a in a condensed amount of time um, and I think a lot depends on how long this this goes on for if we're talking eight weeks twelve weeks uh even even longer um Puts, puts a lot of players in this position and staff as well into really difficult situations. Um, one from a, uh, health standpoint, uh, most importantly, <clears throat> then you start talking about how people are potentially losing jobs, uh, which makes that a very, very difficult situation, a very sensitive situation. Um, I know some coaches in the MLS who work on part time, part time contracts, then it's, it's difficult to, See how that pans out on the on a larger scale. Um, in in terms of dealing with dealing with this outbreak, from from our perspective, um, it's something we had to do. Is we had to uh, we had to figure out how we're gonna get this thing going as soon as possible, so we have a plan for the players at hand. Um, so our league was suspended on March twelfth, so <clears throat> that was a Thursday, and basically figured out right this this. Break in the season could go on for up to, up to eight weeks. Let's, let's plan out for a potential eight week period where the players are going to be in isolation for the worst, worst case scenario. Um, and obviously with, with our team, we have so many different players with different cultural backgrounds, with different training ages that have families, live on their own, live in condo buildings, live in houses. So there's all these things that we have to try and figure out and factor in how we can, how we can engage the athletes and then put something in place to, um have like a progressive physical program. Um so on that we like I said, we kind of built out a calendar. Uh struck a deal with Peloton uh pretty early on. So all the players had bikes, treadmills sent out to them. Again, preparing for a worst case situation where we where we would be be on full lockdown and players can't leave. Um and we grouped our players on specific needs, like I just said then cultural background, training age. Um, and had our, our staff members deliver content through Zoom. And I think Zoom has been a, a huge asset to the sports science and medical industry this, this past couple of months. Um, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't started charging yet on a large scale to get this set up, but it's something, something great where we get to engage, interact with our athletes. Um, and kind of bring that social side to it. I think I was saying to, to Ben at the start that it's really it's really easy to look at it like an off season where you can just send players out a, a program, right? Here's, here's some strength exercises, here's some running exercises. But the fact is, if you're, if you're stuck at home and you live a live in a, in a, in a apartment building on your own, that social interaction is something that's, that's so valued. You can't go out and walk down the street anymore. You can't see your friends. Everything ends up being um, video call. So why not? And I know this this is where it is now, is to put something in place where that athlete engagement is is paramount to your program. Um rather than taking the the fitness element or the sports science medical element and making that the forefront, we should take a step back and go, you know what, we need to make sure that all these people in our club and our organization are happy, right? From a psychological well being. They see each other, they can talk, they can have banter, and then let's layer in some content behind that. Um, so that's 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 basically how we how we started off dealing with this situation.
0: Yeah, it's a crazy one, isn't it? Zoom Zoom will definitely be uh, utilized by many clubs out there. And I, I saw the great clip of um, I think it's Mourinho and the, the Spurs team the other day, all all training at the same time. And I think that's that's the norm, mm. isn't it? That's the way it's going to be right now. What do you think of? Obviously, we all work with players and throughout a squad, we're going to have different personalities, some players that will just crack on, they'll do a programme really well, others that will need guidance right away through a programme. But what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced in terms of keeping that engagement with players and just making sure that the right work's being done?
1: Yeah, I think that that kind of goes back to my point of having, having players split into groups with a specific member of our sports science and medical staff allocated to those groups where they have a strong relationship with those players. Like we have a contingent of South American, European players where English is their second language. And we're lucky enough to have a Masos therapist with us who is um, Uruguayan, fluent in Spanish. So having that side of it, you can you can have so much more interaction with the players on a personal level if they're split into small groups rather than trying to throw everyone in together and then one player's not understanding what's going on, not, a, not understanding the situation as to what's happening, you can definitely have more of a um, laser-guided missile approach to the physical development and social interaction with the players uh, if they are in, in small groups. And, again, you need to go to try and give them a little bit of respect in the fact that they're not young academy players and they need to be able to make decisions for themselves. And having Zoom calls every day and making sure they're all on and having this kind of regimented structure, it's it's difficult – for players who have been playing for years and years and years and years. Um, so you have to have some sort of trust that players are going to be responsible and respectful um, of the situation and be able to to kind of continue to build on their physical development in this time uh, and engage as much as possible, e- even if that's not on a Zoom call, if that's just through text messaging, if that's through personal calls, um, to allow that freedom um, and give them some responsibility. But I feel it all comes from like a layered approach where you can potentially go, right, this, this is the situation. This is, we're all working through. We're going to get on zoom. We're going to take you through some circuits. We're going to give you some, some strength exercises, some running exercises. Like I said, the guys have Pelotons. So there's, there's an array of um, different equipment and different physical stimulus that they can have. Um, But if you start in the fact that we get everyone on the same page and or Everyone's reading the same book. Uh, then we can break off into those, you know, specific areas of um, cultural background, training, age, and then allowing for that um, individual response to come through. As um, I, th- I think, I think that's probably one of the biggest things we've had to deal with. Um, and I think you know the the performance community are dealing with very very similar situations, right? Where you know, you're gonna you're gonna panic on, you know, reductions in strength, in fitness, in, in not hitting certain metrics they wanna get to. But I feel like that's that's kind of potential background noise because we need to take a look at it and go, and if people are in their houses all day, this this isn't gonna happen. So how how are we gonna engage them in a different way to really, really affect them and make sure they can come back in some sort of physical shape to help the team out and help us be successful and like we said before we started i think there's so many different teams in different situations where there's, there's a lot on the line right back back in the uk teams who are vying for promotion going to the playoffs teams fighting relegation in cup tournaments there's a lot hinging on how your players show up uh when they come back from this break so again the pressure is on there to try and get something delivered in the worst, worst case scenario but at the same time you have to walk that tightrope of looking what is actually feasible and beneficial for these guys at this time um, so they can come back and like I said help your team be successful
0: With that we've got to understand that everyone's in the same boat as well don't we that, that all players are in the same sort of scenario and yeah some might have wins or they might have a bit more space or whatever it is but at the same time we're a lot of especially in the UK right now we're all in the same boat I think it it'd be good to sort of dive in because obviously we're at the different sort of different end of the season to you guys you guys have gone through a whole pre-season period um, obviously play I think think you said you played two games two league games was it and then the season gets suspended so like mindset from your point of view it must have been a really really tough task because you've gone through this really structured um, program got the players in a good position and then Suddenly, that becomes not a waste, but it, it's something that's going to need working on again, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a setback because um, we had a really really good preseason um, and we came in with some, some pretty decent results. We had a point on the road at San Jose and a win at New York City, so we had a bit of momentum. So momentum. There was only two games, but having built some pretty um, some pretty good physical development through preseason we get into this now you have this lull in performance right and and, and training. So it's it's definitely difficult to um, put it in place. But like I said, being being as innovative as possible in this time is is key because we have to maintain engagement <clears throat> from these players. Um, and things we've layered in to the content, like I said earlier, when we had the the initial program, it was pretty Pretty basic. We had Zoom calls, we had um circuits and all the the, the equipment sent out. But then each week this has continued, we've we've added more layers onto it. So the players feel there's a little bit more. Rather than bombarding them from day one with all this information, all this content and all this stuff, we've kind of periodically laid it into the program. So that's that's for example, going out and getting all their players' uh care packages, all our staff care packages that would have mini bands, rubber bands, dumbbells, uh, supplements, shakers, uh, you know, players are inside all the time, so they're getting multivitamins, vitamin D um supplements. And layering this into to our content is something that I feel adds a little bit more um adds a little bit more content and context to the situation um as we move forward. Um and we were getting players, their catapult, their GPS, individual charges, setting them up on the Vector app where they can share information if certain guys are going out running, if guys are on treadmill. We can potentially keep some sort of log on what's happening as well as <clears throat> when we're looking to plan future weeks and add in physical content, we have a potential benchmark of what guys have been doing and where they've been at, plus if they've been doing it. Um, so we, we can keep an eye on compliance um, as well as scheduling our Zoom calls for um, our circuit strength development and something moving forward. We've even thought adding in something from a non-physical side to try and aid a little bit of stimulation where we try and get that cognitive development. So having games uh, like like Group Uno games or dominoes, uh, card games, building towers, um, even just hanging out in the afternoon, having coffee and talking. Because some players, we we have players out of college who are 18, 19 years old or young academy players, young pros, where they're living on their own all day, every day. So just having that little bit of social interaction, it goes such, such a long way. Um, So adding those in in the afternoons to, one, it engages them differently, but it also gives them some sort of routine uh, because we're all creatures of routine and habit and we want to have that. Consistent. What's next? What's next? Um, and I feel like, from our perspective, layering this in um, on a weekly basis is is something that's been pretty successful so far.
0: It's like a lot of businesses will be t- tackling at the moment, isn't it? Like a lot a lot of people working from home, but at the same time, we've got to have the break away from work, and there's got to be that social side. It's something that really is lacking. And if we set up in a a nice house and we're surrounded back in the countryside or whatever, then the, Okay, that might be fine. But if we're in an apartment by ourselves, and it can get quite lonely, can't it? So, yeah, the social side is something that's massive, isn't it? And I I bet there's some pretty cool stuff being done at the moment, or I hope there is by clubs, to sort of keep those players engaged. I think it also sort of defines the importance of... or seeing people every day, doesn't it? Like when we're at the training ground with, with fellow professionals and coaches and all the rest of it, we probably take that for granted that the social side of football is huge and it's what ex-pros talk about a lot, isn't it? When they come out of the game that they miss that banter and they miss like being around the lads and that's, that's essentially what we're having to replace at the moment.
1: Definitely. I, I 100% agree with that. And like I said, when we split our guys into these small groups, the staff members. Are, we're we're lucky. We have a fantastic sports science and medical staff who are very engaged with the athletes and can can relate to them on an individual level. So, from our perspective, adding those guys into to smaller groups is something that's been really really beneficial um, and aiding that you know social, psychological, cognitive development and just interaction with the guys. It's it's it goes unnoticed so much. Um, if you think the times where you're at work in the gym and there's banter flying around, you're interacting with players, you're coaching, people are smiling, all that's gone, right? And that's what I mean, you, you take that for granted. And as much as you can do it in different situations through Zoom or through call or through text, um, it's so important at this time to, to, try, and, to try and keep that a uh, fundamental part of uh, our program during this, this outbreak.
0: I hope you're taking plenty from this episode so far. I just wanted to give you a couple of updates on a few things in terms of our online community. So this, The video to this episode will be available on YouTube, so we're getting more videos of the podcast now available, so the link will be uploaded onto the community by the time you are listening to this episode. Um, we've also now got over six hours of webinars and 10 network meeting presentations available, on the community So there's loads of presentations And content available on there From coaches like Jack Naylor up at Celtic Tom Little at Preston um, We've got Ollie Morgan at Celtic Johnny Madden up at Middlesbrough Including loads of others And then some superb webinars The two, the two brand new webinars we've uploaded recently David Johnson, the Academy so- Sports Scientist At Bournemouth Has just done a webinar for us On growth and maturation in youth football And a physiotherapist Tony Tompos, uh, previously of Wigan St. Johnston, Aberdeen has done a super presentation and a webinar on um, hamstring rehabilitation in professional football, so you can go and check all that out on our online community just visit footballfitfed.com click the community tab if you sign up there you get a free month to check out all the content and if you stay a member after that it is only £4.99 per month going forward and you'll get all the content there on demand, plus all the future network meeting presentations that we're going to be uploading as soon as we come out of isolation, and future webinars, some of which we've confirmed recently, and I'm very excited to bring you those as soon as possible. So go and sign up, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up there, and you'll get access to all that content. Here's part two of the podcast with Tom. No, definitely. And I'm going to take you to the sort of ideal, well, ideal at the moment scenario, Tom, in terms of so when, if we jump forward ahead of time, we get the green light, we get the sort of announcement that, yeah, the league's starting again. Um, and obviously, we can talk around time scales because we hope that leagues give a decent amount of time to sort of recondition. But at the same time, like in terms of fitting games in, we might, it might not be an ideal length of time. So, what, What's your sort of mindset going into that? What's your approach and how are you thinking about that right now?
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good question. Um, and I'm sure a lot of practitioners around the world are kind of racking their brains thinking how they're going to deal with that. I think the longer this goes on, um, the harder it's going to be to get the guys back into a position where they're able to just jump back in. Um, like from a European standpoint, there's maybe nine games left of the season where it, it may be congested. Uh, it may not. It depends how that comes out. Uh, but from an MLS standpoint, uh, you know we've, we've, we've played two games into a 34-game season. So that ends up being a congested season. People talk about congested periods throughout the season. Our season ends up being just a congested season where we're looking at dealing with multiple games in a week, which is something that is a regular occurrence, right? Across the championship league one, league two. But then if you put into a North American standpoint where we have to cross multiple time zones, we have to be on aircraft for, you know, between an hour and a half to five hours at a time. Uh, You're playing on different surfaces, different environments. Um, Plus we have a cap on our, uh, squads. We have a roster cap where we can only have 30 players signed, a salary cap added onto that. So there's a lot of constraints that come with it. And I think if you look at things in the worst case scenario where that, that's actually going to happen. So during this point now, we need to condition our players mindsets to be like, Hey, this, this is going to be a really tough go when we get back into this. So be expected that you need to be in a position to be able to compete and play in numerous games to help the team out. Um, obviously, from our standpoint, it's trying to do that in the safest possible way so we're not putting guys in situations where they're going to uh, get injured. Uh, but also, due to the salary cap um, constraints that come with the league, your best players win you games, right? It's, it's it's kind of a no-brainer there. So when we're talking about when we get into this congested season, uh, if you will, that... We have to be smart and we have to be tactful as to how rotation occurs and when we can communicate with the coaches when players need to be um, rested or when young players can come in and play certain games. There's so many moving parts into the situation rather than the physical side, but as I've said before, that mindset is huge that these guys understand that this, this is this is the case that's, that's going to happen. Uh, you need to be able to be in a position to deal with it um, and also us putting putting guys in a situation where they're going to be successful.
0: It is going to be a case of adaption isn't it because we don't know what is going to be revealed, we don't know in terms of time, we don't know in terms of like the plan going forward and we hope that they do take certain elements into consideration and the right people consulted on it but worst case scenario that it could work out really tough so what what's the sort of backup plan for that? Like, is it is it a case of planning for worst case scenario, or, or is it a case of having a few different ideas in your mind and then just adapting when the announcement's made?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's it's, it's all of those things. To be honest, I think if anything um, from this outbreak has taught us, it's it's how to be innovative, right? So we can deal with different situations and come up with different content. And I see some fantastic things that are happening on social media where coaches are putting together uh, different types of programs or different engagement ideas for players so <clears throat> looking at that we're, we're actually dealing with worst case scenario right now so all, all we need to do is just continue that mindset going forth um, and add that into our plans as to this is, this is what we've dealt with already and basically it's going to continue, it's just going to morph a little bit into the, the training plan um, and we just need to be open-eyed and ready for every situation that, that comes across. And like I said, we're, we're lucky here that we have a really good infrastructure um, around the team. We have a great sports science staff, great coaching staff. We have a lot of support from our ownership group as to um, you know, putting things in place and really looking to get the best of our players. So when we hit the ground, we're, we're hitting the ground running and we're having – um, the best possible situation for these guys to come in and and uh, make a difference
0: if you could plan that period Tom in terms of length of time obviously the idea would be we're in control of it and we can set the program in terms of length of time what would you be looking at would you be looking at like a, just a pre-season period and, and picking players up from that position or like, how would you approach that? Obviously, this is something that's out of our control, but I think it's just good to chat through.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think it all depends on how long it goes on, right? That the longer these guys are in their in in isolation, the harder it's going to be to pick them up and get them going again. But yeah, it it, it has to be a, a preseason period, right? So you're looking between best case. Four weeks, four to six weeks, where these guys can we, we can get them going, and we can really build what we've what we've set forth. Especially going into a season where you're going to be playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, um, as well as domestic competitions. We've got international windows in there as well, so that the the stress on the players is going to be astronomical. So we need to make sure that they're as resilient and robust as possible from a physical and psychological standpoint. Um, and if we can start to hit that during this period now. When we come into it, they already have the mindset that it's it, it's time to go. If we have a short amount of time to ramp them up to uh, be able to play games, then we'll deal with that situation. In that short amount of time, then we'll have to liaise with the coaches and let them know, hey, you know, guys have only been going for 10 days, two weeks of, of our preseason, preseason two Um then you need to slow roll some of these guys in and think more about rotation when you're going to be playing guys minutes. Um, so there's, there's, there's so many avenues you can go down. And I don't think there is a, uh, one shoe fits all for it. You need to be very specific to the, the scenario that you're in. Um, and like I said to you when we were, when we were chatting off air that a lot of differences occur here, especially because we're planning across Canada and North America where different states are generally having their, their own constraints as to how they're dealing with the virus. Like in New York now, there's a complete lockdown. Then on the other hand, in, in Texas, there's, there's no lockdown, right? So if, if there's, the outbreak is smaller there, does that allow the players to go back and train earlier? So then there's, there's a potential disadvantage. Obviously, that, that won't happen across the league, but there are different areas that we need to be very mindful of as, as to how we can, we can deal with this situation
0: yeah it's a tough one to decide who's who's in the harder position isn't it in terms of you guys going into the what well, being at the very start of the season or over in the in the u k like clubs getting towards the end of the season having these it it's crunch time for a lot of clubs isn't it it's it's they have to go back into performing but not only just performing but go straight back into winning games and winning picking up these vital points but at the same time in your from your point of view there's the season ahead isn't there so this this disruption right at the start makes it really tough doesn't
1: it yeah and i think the only way we we really overcome it is we have we have to do it as a collective right we have to do it as a collective as a industry and also as a collective organization that we're all we're all pulling in the 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 same direction for the the same goal we're not working in isolation going well it's like we can't do any football with them so just let the the sports science guys or the S and C guys or the medical guys deal them. Now you need to have that, that kind of fully rounded approach to it where we have our coaching staff in and they're regularly talking with players. Like I said, we have a cognitive and psychological element to dealing with as well. So we're trying to give them this fully rounded approach to what a normal, somewhat normal week feels like. Um, Where they're having some physical work, bear in mind, yeah, there's there's not a lot of football going on. But if there was a day where we're doing video analysis, then our coaches can jump in and they can talk through the game model. They can talk through tactical outcomes in different situations, especially then leaning on our younger players in our squad where we have academy graduates coming in who need more and more tactical development, technical development, where coaches can spend time with them now and really refine those decision-making skills in different situations um so like i said overcoming these challenges it has to it has to be collective um it can't everyone be working in isolation and try and focus on the task in hand without too much emotion around it i know it's a very very emotional time for everyone globally and there's a lot there's a lot more going on in football right now taking a step back and kind of looking at that is 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 really really important and it it, it definitely puts a lot of things into perspective uh from my point of view
0: no, it does for sure, and that's that's the way to approach it, isn't it? That it is a it's a bigger issue, and football has to take a back seat right now. But in terms of like your approach going forward, Tom, obviously we're hoping that this sort of thing never happens again. But real life is that it potentially could. So taking that into consideration, like, is there any change in approach with in terms of working with players? Like, is there any sort of Preparation that you put in place for the potential of this happening again.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's a it's it's a great lesson that if anything, players need to invest a little bit more in their in their careers and having things around their houses and their apartments where they can rely on and and still do some work, right? And I think that that kind of tails into, God forbid, this situation was to ever happen again. But in the off season. That they can, they can do work and be in their own constraints of their houses or their condos and not having to rely on public gyms and, uh, different, diff- different things of that nature. So I think, I think it definitely gives a, uh, a well rounded look into guys need to, need to invest a little bit more, um, from an equipment standpoint, recovery standpoint, that they can have this, this stuff readily available to them. Um, and also, from an appreciation standpoint of the amount of information, support everybody's having on a daily basis, right? Even from, from our positions, sitting at home on your own all day, trying to think of new things, it's difficult. And you kind of rely on that interaction with your peers and players, coaches, medical staff, support staff, constantly to try and drive new ideas. So doing things like you're doing with a podcast, and I know there's a lot of uh, – Steve Barrett did a great – um, performance seminar last week and it, it, it's fantastic that it puts all of us in a position of like we're all on the same page we're all doing the same thing we're all striving for the same goals and 90 98 of the stuff we do we all agree upon it's just that two percent that ends up being all we all we always seem to be arguing about as practitioners and, and support staff so from my my perspective it it looks as if you know we we can do a hell of a lot more together than we can in isolation. Um and just leaning on people, sharing ideas, calling different practitioners around the world, seeing how they're dealing with and, and you know, hosting podcasts like you do. And I think it's a great way to engage so much more. <clears throat> and we have we have our players like doing online classes, if it's language classes or cooking classes or listening to podcasts, we have a book club, just putting this stuff out and we're not saying it, it's compulsory, but the more things we can kind of layer into our content and our program, um, hopefully the more everyone will grow and develop as, as people, um, and become less reliant on us doing everything for them, um, in the long run. So I think, like I said, it's, it's, it's a much, much, much bigger picture than just looking at physical development, um, at this time. And then moving forward, it, it adds a lot more context to, difficult situations
0: no definitely it's been I think it's been a really fascinating time to see how the sort of industry has pulled together and like you say shared information and I think a lot of that has come from the realisation that we do want to pull from other practitioners but at the same time it's freed up a lot of time hasn't it time that we don't normally have normally and that's one thing that we talk about Mm -hmm. a lot with, with coaches and that's what the reasons why we run our network meetings is to get coaches together and give them the opportunity to chat to each other. But at the same time, in season when you and when you guys with the travel that you, you're doing, it makes it even tougher because obviously we've got maybe a few hours on the on the longest journey of the season. But you guys are talking. I mean, it's a full day of travelling, isn't it, to get from one side to the other? Yeah. So the, the the issues of time are sort of taken away at this time. So it's great to see everyone pulling together and getting these discussions going, like you say, steam holding the, the seminar, but I know there's loads of like WhatsApp groups going on, Zoom calls going on, and it's great to see, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic, and um, longish should it continue. Um, like, we, we have a call with all the MLS, S&C coaches, sports scientists every week. Um, it's a Zoom call, we have pretty much everyone across the league on and it's it's a great way just to just to interact and trying to get an idea of what people are doing how we can get better can we collectively change anything moving forward as a as a league and making the league grow how do we grow performance departments uh so it's 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 great it's great for the industry um and like i said I, i hope it continues
0: no, definitely definitely echo that, mate, without doubt. So this has been great. I think there's been some some top discussion on that. where's the best place if people've got questions, they wanna reach out, where's the best place to do that?
1: Um, probably probably through my social media. Um, my my Twitter account. Um I, I honestly don't remember what it is ever, but uh I can I can share with you. I think it's I think it's uh it's at williams26tom there we go I can look that up
0: <laughs> no that's awesome mate that's great and then um, you're happy for people to reach out if they've got any questions or want any advice or anything like that
1: yeah 100% like, like I said the more we can more we can talk and, and answer questions between us as a, as a collective it's, it's, it's great so yeah
0: I'm, I'm, I'm into that awesome mate well thanks a lot for your time thanks for coming on and sharing that, I think it's great no to get problem. perspective from a, a different league and facing some different challenges over there. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get a better picture of what's going on in the next sort of few weeks. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate your time.
1: No, no problem. Um, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I, I really enjoyed talking about some of the things that we're doing here. Um, and I, I hope that's, that's helped some people in the industry as well as to kind of throwing my two pence in and uh, as to how we're doing it at Toronto FC
0: No I'm sure it will mate and uh, we'll stay in touch
1: Great thanks very much Ben appreciate that
0: Thanks mate Take care Thank you for listening to episode 74 with Tom it was great to speak to him it was great to see a slightly different stage of the season that the players are at um, over in the MLS um, and the sort of challenges that they're facing at the moment, which is slightly different in terms of over in the UK. Um, so I hope you took plenty from that. You can go and follow Tom. He's on Twitter at Williams twenty six, the number twenty six, and then Tom. And I think some of my biggest takeaways were. Um, obviously, the, the stage of the season that they're at, and, how, and we sort of spoke about it in the in the episode in terms of I'm not too sure whose situation you'd rather be in, whether you, you'd rather be at the start of the season, two games in, um, with the whole season to go, or whether you'd rather be uh, as we are in the UK at the moment, towards the end of the season with just a few games left, but it's crunch time. Um, it's time to pick up results and um, really important stage of the season. So I thought that was an interesting discussion. Um, and then also, the different situations that players are in. We we spoke a little bit off air before we went before we started recording about some of the specific situations that Tom's facing with players. But um, we like to think that all players have got home gyms and they're all got a bit of space to work out in. It's not always the case, um, so we have to sort of adapt to those individual situations and then the engagement I think this is one of the biggest takeaways from this podcast was the social side that players are missing, the player engagement that's what we have to try and develop in this period and maintain Um, it's probably something we take for granted when we're in clubs every day, we're going into training grounds we're seeing teammates, coaches but when we take all that away it is a tough period, regardless of the money or anything anything that is involved we have to maintain that social side so I know Tom had said that they're trying to do a few things to keep the players focused and, and sort of do things away from fitness and football. But um, yeah, it's, it's certainly a challenge at this time to keep players mentally on track as well as physically. So it'd be great to hear actually from you guys in terms of the approach that you're taking. So reach out, tag us on Twitter, tag Tom in as well, because I'm sure he'd be keen to get involved in a conversation and discussion um, at football fit fed and I'll just repeat his Twitter handle he's at Williams26 Tom and let's hear for the sort of approach that you guys are taking um, on on managing the players but also managing that mindset and, and the social side of being in isolation. It'd be great to hear from you and see what the, the sort of things that you guys are coming up with. But I hugely appreciate you listening to this episode. It was a really beneficial one for me. I think it was a great um, chat with Tom and plenty of information in there so I hope you found it the same please as always if you haven't done so already um, we're getting a few more iTunes reviews on there but it would be great to get a few more on there so if you haven't done so already please head over to iTunes click the five stars and leave us a short review it would um, help us out loads in terms of boosting the profile of the podcast and we'll, we'll keep them coming so big thank you again for listening and we will speak to you again next week